0: Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithloday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? Every day is a Monday.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially when you uh, when you have your yearly, oh, let's let's be sick for a week and a half episode.
0: Hmm. A, so. a lovely
1: thought to express uh, around Thanksgiving.
0: Uh I am thankful for uh, the women's volleyball team. Uh, They seem to have righted the ship uh, somewhat in that they got revenge on uh, Arizona State, um, Mm -hmm. which was the uh, of the very few teams that have beat the Ducks this year. They were the lowest rated, I believe, at 19 at the time that they played. Um, It was a little weird, though, because it was a sweep and it was on you know the ducks home court
1: um yeah Yeah, the only sweep of the ducks this year
0: yeah uh so the ducks uh, returned to the desert and uh and, and and kind of beat the hell out of arizona state
1: yeah they came out really strong and that's uh that's something that they're gonna have to do from here on up but uh, but they were basically dominating the match from the first set and kind of uh, set Arizona State on their heels. Uh, something noteworthy is that uh, after um, three or four weekends of being gone, which I assume was because of injury, Daly McClellan was back in as a defensive specialist. Hmm. And that's why we saw Kate Thebold uh, starting. The, the past few weekends or so well M- mcclellan's back and and it looks like the team has uh recovered from the the aches and pains that you know come with uh with a full season of volleyball yeah everybody it's kind of like football it, everybody's got something going on at, at some point Not like basketball, where they all seem to get their injuries out of the gate and then heal up. Uh, uh, You know, they did. uh, You know, they they kept the
0: rotation in this one relatively small uh, against Arizona State. Um, You know, uh, 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 you know, it's pretty much just you know Lewis Gonzalez, Collier McGee, and Bacon. Um, you know, it was good that they got, uh, uh, McClellan back, um, you know, who contributed a bunch of digs and, and, uh, you, know, and of course the libero, you know, Murphy, of course, but I I mean, like in terms of the hitters, um, uh, although it was interesting, like Collier wasn't doing a ton of hitting, uh, what do you think that was about?
1: I think that was probably more, um, the ducks selecting, Shots and yeah, Hannah Pugas has said before that she's at she's at a spot in the season where she's really comfortable with uh, anybody that's that she's setting up for. Mm -hmm. So so she'll glance at the at the position of the opposition right before she sets and then pick the uh, appropriate hitter. I think it's it's just one of those things.
0: Yeah um i mean like you know pucus was was incredible i mean like just her her you know i wa- I watched this entire one and, and you know because i was really interested in the revenge match and just like like pucus's command of because she's the she's like the pivot I, I forget the name of it but she's always the one in between right because it's one two three and she's always two right like she's not mm-hmm. the one who's digging it out um well actually she does do that a fair amount of the time but like she's usually the you know she's number two she's setting up you know what is you know going to be the kill and like mm-hmm. it's not random you know it's not like oh i just got to get this to somebody i just got to continue the volley you know like she's selecting that you know it's like she's like the you know in some senses like the quarterback and yeah. she's selecting the wide receiver and then the wide receiver is the one who's trying to take it to the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's the same as quarterback. You, you, you have uh, four receivers and you're scoping the defense for uh, where to get the ball.
0: Um, I just thought she was, she, I mean, she, this was maybe the most on point, um, match that i've seen her play and like that's saying something (laughs) because uh you know she's she's really incredible um uh you know otherwise you know they you're right they totally cruised in the first set i think it was mostly because like arizona state just couldn't get a point you know like they they Mm -hmm. they they really struggled at the beginning they arizona state did come back and actually like play to the point where oregon had to you know, like they had to go one more, right. That was a 26 to 24, you know, set. So, you know, that was the closest that, that Arizona state, you know, came until the the fourth frame. Um, and and then like the third frame, you know, as in a lot of these, like, uh, you know, four frame matches, you know, like Oregon goes up two, and then there are sort of like, oh, we're going to chill out for a bit, you know, (laughs) because <laughs> you know, they can, you know, it's just like, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're doing it deliberately or not, but it's sort of like the opponent has to have it and, and Oregon can sort of like chill out. Right. Like, cause once you've won two, you know, the, you know, so this one was like 25 to 10, you know, it was yeah. like Oregon was really like letting Arizona state exhaust themselves. Um, so then the fourth frame was actually fairly close, right? You know, the you know, uh uh you know, it was 25-23, but like I never really felt like Oregon was out of control of it. Is
1: that how you felt too? Yeah, yeah, no, that that was uh, my feeling as well watching the match. And I sort
0: of felt like the way that they played in the third frame contributed to that, you know, like it, it was they sort of let Arizona state exhaust themselves. And that's what allowed them to sort of just keep ASU at arm's length, you know, for the entire fourth set. Like I felt like that was
1: st- sort of strategic. Yeah. Well, uh, ASU's not, not a bad team and they're doing the same thing with the ducks that the ducks are doing with them. They're, they're uh, adjusting um, based on position and, you know, where the uh, weak spots are. And mm-hmm. so the, it's always this, this, uh, chess game. Um, it's kind of like a live action chess game with, uh, with volleyball. And, uh, unlike some of the matches, um, earlier in the season, it seems to me that this Ducks team is, is peaking and, uh, closing out in sets that, that, you know, maybe they weren't closing out uh, earlier in the season, regardless of whether they won the match or not. You know, we always had seem to have those th- that set or two where, um, where Oregon had to play catch up and you know, probably should have won the set, but they didn't. Um, that's not what we're seeing right now.
0: Man, I just, you know, reading your article, which is, you know, a great article. And if anybody missed it, you know, go, go read it because, you know, if you're enjoying this conversation, Badwater's article is even better because he goes and gets all the, uh the, you know, the Twitter videos for all of them, and, like embeds them and, and sort of like explains what's going on with them, which is, you know, just great. Like it's. uh Um. anyway, about that third set, like, you know, the coaches and some of the players are describing as being like frustrating and not being able to like, you know, contain uh, Lavinska, who's, uh, you know, ASU's, you know, big star. Like, I don't I feel like they sort of like had to say that because, you know, like, oh, the scores, you know, but I didn't. I like just watching them, watching their body language. They didn't look like they were frustrated to me. They looked like they were like just having a good time. And like, do you think I'm making that up? What do you, what do you think about that bad water?
1: No, I think they, they had it. Um, uh, they looked to me like they, they had everything under control. Um, the thing about Levinska is he, you she's like, uh, she's kind of like a, a basketball, um, star shooter where Mm -hmm. where they're going to get their their points it's just a a matter of limiting it as much as you can uh, because she doesn't have the the backup that right see that's where i was going with this is that like
0: i feel like oregon is a much more like complete and well-rounded team than arizona state is where it's like they've got a stud and then the entire team is sort of like built around feeding her yeah and And it's like, and I, I felt like I was watching and I don't know, this could be in my imagination. I'm always looking for strategy because I find strategy to be fascinating. And so I don't know, I could be imagining this, but I felt like I was seeing a strategy of like, they've only got one stud. Let's exhaust her. And then, you know, if you flip and just look at the fourth frame. And and like, if you look, if you look at just the third frame, like virtually all of their points are kills by LaVisca. Like she is just, I mean, she's constantly elevating. Uh, And and then if you look at the fourth frame, it's she's constantly getting blocked. Like Oregon gets like, I think 40% of their blocks no 45% of their blocks in the fourth frame. And that's with them barely playing in the third frame. Right. So mm-hmm. that means that like, it's a disproportionately high number of, you know, like they're, you know, like I thought that I was seeing a sort of deliberate strategy of like, you know, overextending ASU because they're over dependent on a single player, whereas yep. Oregon, you know, is not. Uh, so I thought that was cool. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good match. Good win.
0: So then, having avenged uh, uh, you know, that loss, they go on to Arizona, a team that they did not lose to. Uh, they swept them earlier in the year. Uh, how did they do against Arizona this time?
1: Well, uh, they did okay. Um, there was uh, a little bit of sluggishness in the first set and it, you know even though the ducks won it seemed like they they needed a set uh set and a half to um really get in the groove and and once that that was the case yep you know, they they just you know raced to the finish line uh, it was a, another match where the Ducks volleyball team seemed to be completely in control and uh, they were loose. Uh, uh, they were playing loose. You, you could see it um, in their movement and, and body language. Yeah. You know, even if they were um, down a few points or something, yeah, you know, uh, they still uh, looked and acted like they were in control of their game uh
0: you know what i like i I thought arizona uh, to me it looked like what i was seeing was that like arizona was attacking pretty well in the first frame like in the first set um and that oregon was having a bit of a difficult time defending them like uh, they 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 missed a few digs is sort of Mm -hmm. what i was seeing in the first frame um but it was entirely a defensive issue Like I thought that the offense was clicking, you know, throughout, throughout the match, like they didn't have any difficulty and it was just a question of, you know, but, but like, you know, Arizona was a mess throughout much of the rest of the, you know, of the contest, like, you know, the, the, they had like 20 attack errors in this match and Oregon had like eight, you know, this uh, Uh,
1: incredible disparity and that will get you swept.
0: Yeah like Oregon's you know a cumulative hit percentage was 0. .425 which is like a bonkers like that's an incredible cumulative hit percentage Arizona's cumulative hit percentage is was 0. .144 which is like a bonkers terrible hit percent they had multiple players in negative hit percentage which is like mm-hmm. that's real bad uh Carson Bacon I think played the match of her life like yeah. I don't think she like her hit percentage was 0. .917 right yeah like uh, like it, 11 it,
1: for 12 killed 11 or 12 yeah which is it, like
0: are you kidding me like n- like not you know a lot of times when you see somebody who's like you know over eight you're just like oh that means that she you know she 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 took two and she hit two you know she killed two like nope it was 11 for 12 which is just like oh my god she couldn't miss like um She'll probably yeah. never, never do that again.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, and was in on a couple of blocks. Yeah,
0: so. um, yeah. No, I just incredible performance. Um, it, and, and like. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like the offense just couldn't be stopped. It was just a question. You know, the, the only thing that was going on was just a matter of like, you know, like, I don't know, Arizona got a couple of service aces that I remember. Although according to the statute, not that many, I just, uh, they just stood out in my memory, I guess. Um, oh, here it is. Oregon kept committing service errors. That's the problem. They committed 11 service errors. That's, that's right. the uncharacteristic element all right well whatever that's a um, that's that's a thing that's not Arizona earning it though that's just like oops Oregon you know blasted it out the
1: back right and and service errors still drive me crazy well yeah or shooting it at the free throw line um but yeah or false starts in
0: football but it's not but the thing is it's like that's for you to clean up that's not your opponent mm -hmm. didn't force that you know
1: right and it it may be a case of um, the Oregon servers really being aggressive about placement and missing it just that much. Yeah. Kind of like a tennis player.
0: All right. So uh the, uh well they've already due to a weird i think because of the the holiday um they've already played their next match against usc uh but i won't tell you how they did you'll have to read the article when it goes up on the website we'll talk about it on a future podcast um and then i think they close up against cal a little bit um that will be for the future uh let's take a break we come back we'll talk about some women's hoops So, uh you wrote up uh Oregon is still in the sort of the non-con part of their schedule. They played, you know, three teams. Uh none of whom should have presented much of a challenge except Oregon is without a point guard this season. So, this is going to be an adventure. Um they you know, the 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 first game they handled uh uh, uh you know, fairly well. Wouldn't you say like Yeah against Uh, grand canyon you know they they were sort of like they they had to fight him for a bit they they you know they 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 didn't shoot very
1: well uh you know but they they battled back and yeah they they didn't shoot well but they they had good defense they were uh on the plus side at the end of each of the four quarters um and you know it's a, a word game i i with all these games i really don't have a feel for uh, how good the opposition is and and you know i don't have a, a bench line for really saying definitively well did the uh did the ducks do that well or you know, were they up against um, good defense or you know uh, this that and the other thing
0: I mean, the thing is, you know, the, the thing that I'm always after is like, I want to see lots of point in the paint and like, I'm not going to see it this year because they don't have a point guard, right? Like their ball handlers, Chance Gray, who's a three point shooter, and she was terrible against Grand Canyon, right? Like she's over five from the three point line and she was two for 15 overall. On the other hand, like Grand Canyon couldn't stop fouling her. So she like she still wound up as like the third leading scorer just from hitting free throws. Um, at the same time, you know, Grace Van Sluton and, and Filipina Che were just like they, you know, Grand Canyon couldn't stop them at all because like Grand Canyon doesn't have any like anybody at all physically who can match up to them. And so like, of course, Oregon was getting all their points in the paint you know, against them. And, and like, I don't know, Oregon's going to have a bunch of matchups that are going to be like that, where it's like, you know, as long as their, their bigs are healthy, which knock on wood, they will be. And like, and they also have like Kennedy Basham, you know, coming in and, you know, they, they're, I mean, they're healthy right now with the you know obvious exception of not having Peyton Scott. Uh, you know, they can win games like this without a point guard because they can just dominate physically. Um like they can win without a point guard and with Chance Gray not giving them anything from the perimeter. Um I don't know how sustainable that is. And like the next game definitely demonstrated it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, cuz they uh the Ducks were able to generate uh, absolutely nothing uh against Santa Clara. And yeah, it was I just mean terrible. they they were just completely dominated and if you if you watch the game or the clips the i'm not sure why oregon isn't putting some pressure on all those three point shots that that went in but yeah
0: i mean that was crazy that santa Clara just like you know, you run into teams sometimes that are like that, that just are sort of like shooting unconscious from the three point line, like they were shooting 57% from the th- three point line. They only shot 54% like overall, like they were shooting better from beyond the arc than from inside the arc was just yeah. like, okay, that's <laughs> insane.
1: And, yeah, so and, it's like and, you're, and you're
0: pro- like, look, man. If you're you run into an opponent that's just like unconscious like that, like you're gonna lose that game. Like they just happen from time to time in basketball, but like that doesn't mean you, you're gonna lose that game like eighty nine to fifty, right? Like that. That's what we're, we're what we're talking about is not really the loss. What we're talking about is the only scoring fifty points part. Uh, and, and the only scoring fifty points part is the like the terrifying thing because like. You know, Che goes 0 for 3, which is like... I don't know which is scarier, the 0 or the 3. You know, uh, and Grace and Salutin is 3 for 13, which is like... That's really right. bad. Like, that's, that's like... You know, Sarah Rombus goes 4 for 11 from the floor. Like, I mean... I,
1: I think the most um, worrying statistic from this game is the points in paint where um where santa clara uh, picked up what 30 points in the paint to 18 or something for the ducks um i'm just going by memory uh on that no it's a little more it was like 26 in in the paint for for the ducks but you know yeah but the um with players like um like chai ben Sluton in there um santa Clara shouldn't be uh dominating the paint like that yeah
0: well i mean I, the deal is like they you know they, they, without a point guard you know everybody's sort of got to be an individual scorer and the points are probably, you know, they're going to come from Chance Gray, you know, being the three point assassin. Well, yet another night she's, you know, not hitting them. You know, she's one for five from beyond the arc. Uh, you know, the two bigs weren't getting anything done. OK, that's bad. Uh, it, but then here's the the, the rest of it. Well, you know, so it's like their three scorers aren't scoring. OK, you know. The, here's the problem they don't have anything more than three score. like that's what sort of you know what i'm we're sort of the barrel that we're looking down hmm. for a season that might you know turn to be turn out to be a pretty bad season um in which you know might get kelly Gray's fired uh is that like you like they don't have anybody else who's stepping up you know like you know S- sophia bell's a starter and and she's going four from eight you know, from the floor with, you know, negative 36, you know, on her plus Mm -hmm. minus, you know, like, so, so, and like over the course of, uh, of the season to date, you know, like, you know, they're four and one, it's only five games, but like she's basically contributed nothing like, or, or, you know, so little that like, it's hard to justify her being a starter. But then I look at the bench and I'm like, what's Sammy Wagner getting done? You know what's Bella Hamill getting done? What's Sierra rhombus getting done? It's like I have a hard time imagining who to replace her with. You know, right. like there's just no scoring production, you know, from anybody else. So like, if if Gray and Che and Van Sluten are having an off night, which like they definitely were against Santa Clara, it's like the rest of the team can't pick them up because there is no rest
1: of the team. Well, it seems to me, and it it was the case last season where. Uh, the ducks' fortunes seem to depend on Van Sluten's production. Events, last season, if Van Sluten wasn't in the game, the the ducks weren't winning. And well. if, if she wasn't producing then then the ducks weren't winning. And there's uh, there was some of that in the game against the Broncos.
0: I mean, that's, uh, that's certainly true. And, and it was the reason why I had like checked out on, uh, on pow, pow and Rogers it was just like, you know, Hey folks, y- y- you've been here for like four years, y- you know, like more is expected of you than, than, than this level of production. Um, it, you know, and, and the fact that they weren't doing it, I was like, well, that means that, that, that like, this is you know, this is over, uh, like your, your careers are, are, are non-productive careers, uh, you know, because that's the test of it, you know, that, that, that's the test of your productivity is whether you can, you know, when it's time for you to take leadership, whether you take leadership and like they didn't. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm done with you next. And so this is the group that's the next, you know, and like, look, I, you know, I, I Gracie and Sutton's great, you know, Philly Che, I, 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 I'm, I'm a big believer in like, I, I think she's actually like, she's literally a
1: game changer. Uh, yeah. And, and like I said, in my article, she's uh, the most improved duck on the floor. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, she's She's, she's shooting pretty much lights out at the free throw line. Uh
0: which is you know for somebody her size it's like actually quite an accomplishment yeah um, and,
1: and knowing that you're gonna get fouls so yeah she, she's worked it, on her game
0: it's the and you know knowing that this team like doesn't have a point guard which frankly like you know that comes back to kelly graves you know like i mean it sucks that they lost peyton scott like that's sort of an unforeseeable thing but like where where's your qb2 you know like yeah. where where's your ty thompson you know
1: yeah, uh Chance Gray is kind of worrisome um in her three-point shooting against uh, Grand Canyon, she goes 0 for 5 mm-hmm. against uh Santa Clara um 1 for 5. Yeah, 1 for 5 and then uh Nevada is also 1 for 5. So, yeah, uh, you, she's not producing and yeah. And that's that's really worrisome. Yeah, I I kind of wonder if let's see the the transfer portal opens up December fourth, and uh, I have to think that um, Graves is going to be looking to see if there's anybody out there, yeah, you know, with veteran status that can um, come in at at point guard or shooting and yeah kind of helped buttress this very very young team
0: well against Nevada Sarah Rombus stepped up you know she, uh, off the bench she went six for six uh you know played 25 minutes uh you know she she sort of replaced Kennedy Williams who's a starter but she you know Rhombus wound up playing more minutes than than Kennedy Williams did mm-hmm. um and I mean Williams didn't score a point you know Rhombus, you know wound up you know, not only putting the ball in the basket every time she shot it, but then she was getting fouled a ton. And she, I think she made all of her free throws or or maybe she missed one. Um, and she, and she was getting a bunch of, uh, uh, rebounds. So like, okay, good performance off the bench, you know, Mm -hmm. for Sarah Rambis, you know, sort of stepped up there. Um, but you know, and you know, the other thing that should be said is that you know, Van Saluten and Chase sort of returned to you know decent form. I I you know that they they you know that they were scoring points. I would like their that you know that then to be putting the ball in the basket at a little higher. Uh, rates but they were getting fouled a ton and so they were making up for it at the free throw line you know like they they you know they both added you know five or six points you know from the free throw line which you know yeah okay um but you know as you say like chance gray like what she's contributing is shooting you know uh, three pointers and she's not making them um and, and then again sophia bell like i don't I don't, she's playing 36 minutes and scoring eight points. Like, like that, that's not like that ratio is terrible.
1: Like, yeah, it's a, it's not a, a trend that can continue. And you're going to be looking at a lot of losses against better teams or against the, the Pac-12, which has, uh, what about four? Uh, ranked teams yeah, right now and probably
0: uh, yeah that's what i think i think you're looking well for other ones yeah yep yeah.
1: and so um yep yeah, this kind of production is not going to create wins I mean, again, a lot of it is
0: understandable because they don't have a point guard. and so like you're missing a lot of the sort of distribution and the like the 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 glue effects that your you know point guard brings. But like you have to the, the point guard is, you know, they're creating out of some raw material. And like I sort of think that like the, you know, where's the raw material you know like there there's at least five players on this team that are you know that are on the roster that are simply like not like the the you know or at this point anyway you know i maybe i'm wrong you know could 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 be that 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 changes but like i think like half of this roster is simply like not capable of putting the ball in the basket. And like, even if they had a point guard, it wouldn't matter, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so therefore it's like, I don't know, man, like, you know, Kelly Graves had like five years to figure this out.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, um, it's not looking at this point anyway, like it's been figured out or can be figured out. And, we don't have, uh, we only have one more game before we um, go up against Baylor in Texas. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. And um, yeah, then we're just a, a month away from the, um, you know, playing Oklahoma State and then the Pac 12 season. And yeah, unless this team um, works on some of these uh, fundamentals and shoots and defends better it's going to be a brutal season for them yeah
0: i mean like the the the, the nature of women's basketball is such that like you know if if oregon's there's such a cliff in women's basketball that you're either on one side of the cliff or the other and if oregon is on the happy side of that cliff then these are the types of games that they should be winning by like 40 points Mm uh like not 10 points, you know, or or, yeah. or, or, 20 points or whatever, but like just kill or- them
1: <laughs> and not losing by 39
0: and definitely not losing by 39. So like a kind of, you know, kind of makes me think that like, uh, Oregon might be a, you know, one of the teams that's on the other side of the cliff. Yep. Um, or like they, they may have like two players who would be comfortable on the happy side of the cliff. And then like the rest of the roster is made up of players who are like, they sort of, oops you know they're they're players from the other side of the cliff and like you can't you can't you know you're you're not gonna be top 15 that way yeah Uh, i
1: think december is gonna tell us a lot yeah we're we're gonna know a lot more month from now all
0: right let's take a break uh we come back we will uh, uh we'll preview the uh the game against oregon state in football So uh, perhaps the last one of these uh, for a while, I understand there's some negotiations to try to, you know, get it uh, uh, going as an at a conference game, but if so, it would, it would happen probably in September. That's when the big 10 does. It's the, the big 10 is fairly regimented in that they, you know, they get all of their non-conference games, you know, know, pretty early. They, they, there's only like a rare smattering of like, you know, a random like week eight uh, uh, non-conference game um
1: yeah this isn't the sec
0: yeah right um uh uh and even if it were you know <laughs> oregon state's not a socon team um so uh yeah we'll have to savor this one um it's an ottson stadium uh you know the home team tends to win this game in this series it's actually very uh consistent uh if you go back in, and look at the record books over the last like 20 years or so it's like Orange green, orange green, orange green, like, uh, 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 and, and, you know, on top of that, like, it's very clear, like, if you just look at Oregon States, you know, there are home road splits, you know, over the, well, basically the Jonathan Smith era are very, you know, stark, uh, you know, they're almost undefeatable at home and they're very vulnerable on the road. Um, so like, even if I hadn't watched one second of film on this team, I, I would like the ducks, um, you know, for that reason uh, alone, that it'd be in Autzen Stadium. But I have watched, you know, all of their film. Um, the The thing that's remarkable is that you know, I've been I've been watching Jonathan Smith's teams, you know, for a while now. I, I've sort of accumulated. This is sort of this team. They're they're sort of. He- the 2020 team is weird for reasons that are obvious um the the history starts in 2021 for this team um where like the sort of the way that they organize their offense um and then sort of the the way that their defense starts evolving it all starts in the 2021 season so this is like year three of this version even though like jonathan smith has been there since 2018 um like this sort of version of oregon state has has been there for Three years, and it's all sort of like cumulative. Um, uh, and, and it's like, oh boy, you know, so it's like this is like, you know, more like game, you know, game 40 worth of film that I have, you know, on this to sort of like run you know, aggregate stats, you know, and, uh, oh boy, like it's super pretty, like the offense is really predictable. Um, mm-hmm. like their down and distance situational, uh, stats and performance and play calling is super predictable. Um, like they're, It's very clear. Like, in fact, in my article that's going to go up at about the same time that this podcast does, like I'm I'm the first, you know, blurb in my article is going to be instructing people to go back and read the 2021 article because it's a full on primer for the for the. The the, like how the offense operates and like it hasn't changed. Like for three years, it was true again in 2022, and it's true again now. Even though they've Mm -hmm. changed the quarterback, and like that's the thing. Like everybody sort of very you know aptly observed that like the not having a great quarterback was the big thing holding them back, and that's true as far as it goes. Like they didn't really have a reliable quarterback, but like. The, 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 you know, really what people were observing when they were observing that is that they, they, they're a fantastic, very difficult to stop offense when they're operating on or ahead of schedule, but when they get behind the chains, you know, when it's third and long, they need to throw the ball and Cause everybody does on third and long. That's not mm-hmm. unusual. And every team will eventually get behind the chains. Like that's also not unusual. Um, what is unusual about Oregon state and what they needed to fix is they needed to have a better success rate on third and long. They have a very low success rate on third and long. They have for ever, basically ever since Jake Luton left. And that was a long time ago. Um, Their, their success rate throwing the ball on third and long, you know, was uh, in, in 2022, it was 29% in, uh, it, it, or in 2021, it was 29%. In 2022, it was 32%. And 32% was the number that everybody was like, you need to take you know, a step forward. You need to be better than this. Uh, you need to get a better quarterback. And they went out and got Uyenglale. DJ Uyenglele. DJ Uyenglele has a bigger arm than those guys, than, than the previous quarterbacks. And so like when he connects with his receivers, it's for more yards but in terms of like actually connecting and having an efficient play and and most importantly on third and long which is when you know what they're employing him to do you
1: know what their third and long conversion rate is um, I haven't read the article, and so oh, I haven't uh, written uh, it yet. So of course, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I'd, you want to make a
0: guess? It was twenty. I, it was twenty nine percent in twenty twenty one. It was thirty two percent in twenty twenty two. You want to guess what it is go, now? I'd go thirty four percent. It's thirty one percent. Yeah, not good. I mean, it, it's not only not good. It's like they didn't. It hasn't changed. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing that's changed is that, you know, when they connect, it's not for like 15 yards, it's for like 40 yards. I mean, like when they connect, it's explosive because, yeah, I mean, he's got an arm and the receivers they have to throw to are real quick. And like, frankly, they've been playing some real shit defenses. I mean, that's the other thing is that Oregon State, like people haven't been talking, talking about this, but like, you know, that like Oh my god like their schedule is so soft like uh y- you know uh anyway like I, i i really sort of i just i just don't think that team is very good like and i just don't think they've played a very difficult schedule and like i watched their film and i'm like how is it that you know and then they, and they've lost games they basically lost you know every difficult team that they've played they lost to arizona they lost to washington uh you know they they uh who's the other team that they lost to uh you know so, and, and like or right? i think that's it uh it's like you know every every decent team they've played they've they've lost to they they like should have lost to ucla i sent out a tweet you know today that was like chip kelly should have run them out of the building like literally run them out of the building they were running for for i actually screwed up the tweet because i accidentally i fat fingered a key on my keyboard <laughs> uh they were running for 8.6 yards per carry mm-hmm undesigned run let me say that again okay. UCLA was running for 8.6 yards per carry outside of garbage time 40% of UCLA's designed rushes were going for 10 plus yards uh, like all they had to do was keep running it and, and just yeah. like Chip Kelly could not like manage the red zone or his quarterbacks it was like he was deliberately trying to get fired in that game in fact I contacted some US, UCLA folks and I'm like do you guys think he was deliberately trying to get fired Um, and they're like, yeah, some of us think that, um, it was like nuts. There's, there's a bunch of games they should have lost. Uh, like anyway, uh, but that's the thing. That's like the thing that everybody had, you know, correctly noted about the team, like uh, that they need to be more efficient on third and long with uh, like a more uh, efficient passer. Like they didn't do, they got a more explosive passer, but that's it. Um, And then on top of that, like the other thing that's just crazy, and I wrote this in my summer preview, and guess what? It's 100% true, is that like Jonathan Smith was super duper complacent. Like he lost a bunch of dudes off of his like off of his last year's team, and then he did nothing to replace them. Like so he lost his two primary wide receiver targets and his uh, best tight end and like losing those, you know, those guys, you know, was the culmination. And like, he, he'd he been in the process of losing, you know, so he lost Luke Musgrave, you know, the tight end hmm. to, to the NFL. He was already down to just one guy. He had previously lost, you know, uh, uh, noted Togiai and, and, and then he, he had lost, uh, uh, Tegan Kitoriano. So it's like, You know, one, two, three, He lost all of his tight ends, and he's down to a dude named Jack Velling who like people have talked themselves into thinking that Jack Velling is this fantastic tight end because when they get to the red zone, they lob it to Jack Velling and he's the guy who catches it guys, I've watched his film. He doesn't have magic powers. Like if you put him side by side next to Terrence Ferguson, like he's, he will look like a dwarf. Like he'll look like a beanpole. Like he's not in and of himself a fantastic tight end. He's just the guy who catches the ball against like Cal, you know, or, or UCLA when Chip Kelly was throwing the game like that, or Colorado, you know, like, um, yeah and that's it like he's not as nearly as good as as luke musgrave or tegan Catoriano or noah Togiai. um and then he and then like smith did nothing to replace him and that's the tight end situation Actually, let me put a pin in the tight end situation and I'll come back to it. Let me talk about the wide receivers. Wide receivers, they lost uh uh Tajon Lindsay and Trajan Harrison, who were their like outside receivers, and then he didn't do anything to replace them. Nothing. He did nothing to replace them. He hasn't developed any outside receivers. He took none of them through the transfer portal. So all he did was he took his two slot receivers who were too short. Like they're five eight. They're not even five eight. They're tiny. It's a, a Gould and Bolden who they're fast, they're very quick, you know, but they're like they're tiny. And he's like, Well, you guys are the only guys that I've got, so I'm gonna put you on the outside. And it's like they get like anytime they play any sort of DBs that have any sort of size at all, they just like they work them to the boundary. Like over or they just like smack the ball out of their hands, you know, because they're just like they're slot receivers like they they're not. I mean, it's just like I I don't want to like pick on them because of their stature, because that feels like bullying. But like, it's just it's very clear that that's what's happening. They're playing out of position and then they don't have anybody else. So like they have five potential pass catchers on the field, but only four of them are, are active on any given play. Like whoever the fifth guy is, is you can ignore him because he's not getting the ball. Um, which are, you know, uh, Bolden, Gould, Velling, the tight end, and, uh, whoever the, whichever running back is in, and they've only got two running backs, you know, um, and they don't play two running backs at the same time. They're like the offense isn't, you know, a creative offense like that. Um, And so like when they play multiple tight end sets, you ignore the other tight end or if they're, you know, if they're an 11 personnel, just ignore the third wide receiver, just ignore him. He's never going to get the ball. Um, and, uh, oh, they also can't rotate like at all. Like those guys, you know, can't go out to get any Gatorade or anything like that. And so those guys who have to run up and down the field, a million yards, every single play, Like that's it. They have to run up and down the field a million yards every single play because you know they don't have anybody else. Because you know,
1: okay. So that's going to be pretty troubling if you're a a Beavers fan. Uh, Yes, it's 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 not like you can blame this kind of roster management on the implosion of the Pac-12 and becoming the king of the Pac-2. You know, this is roster mismanagement that. It and he was coming off of a then. great
0: season in 2022. Like mm-hmm. he could have gone to the transfer portal and, you know, strike while the iron is hot kind of deal, Yeah, you know, and, get, and be like, I'll put you into the NFL. Look at all these, you know, you know, n- no name, you know, three stars who I put into the NFL through development. Like he could actually sell that. Like, yes, I can't pay you a ton of NIL money, but I can pay you NFL money, mm-hmm. you know, come play for the Biebs. Um, Like he could have made that case. And then he just like didn't. He just didn't do anything like it was so complacent like it's why I buy all these rumors about him having a foot out the door like even before the Pac-12 blew up is because like he did nothing like it was like he didn't care about what's going to happen next year Uh, anyway um, so like the so here's the other thing and the, the other reason why I told people to go back and read my 2021 article is that I started noting it in 2021 when, when, when they had tight ends, when they had multiple tight ends, I noted it because there were lots of plays in which they took the tight ends out of the format. Like they split them out. And I was like, Hey, I chart all these plays and i note that their rushing offense is much less effective when the tight ends aren't helping the line block this is the dirty little secret this is i mean i here like crowd in real close everybody i'm going to share a, a secret with you Jim Mahalchik, their offensive line coach, is the best offensive line coach as a developer uh, in the Pac-12, maybe in the country. He takes guys who are very low ceiling, like, you know, low three-star dudes, um, some walk-ons, and like he he keeps them in the oven till they're like seniors and they play way better than they have any right to play. That doesn't actually mean that they're good or that Mm -hmm. they're super talented. It means they play better than they have any right to. And what was clear in 2021 became even more clear in 2022 and is crystal clear in 2023, which is that they need tight ends to help them block in the run game. And the reason that I spent all that time talking about how they don't have tight ends, they've been progressively losing them and Jonathan Smith has done nothing to replace them is that they've got maybe half of one effective blocking tight end. They went and got another Uh, Jermaine Terry from Cal. He's not very good at it. Uh, They converted an OLB, Riley Sharp. That was a mistake because they could use another OLB he's not very good at it. Like there are many of their plays. There will be clips in my article. They just line up what that, that other receiver, like number eight or number 20 to block. Like he's a tight end. Well, guess what? He weighs like 215 pounds. He's not very good at it. And their rushing success rate has taken a big hit. Well, it's not so much that it's taken a big hit. It's that they're blocking at the same success rate as they blocked back in 2021 when they didn't have the tight ends in the formation. Instead, they were split out. Hmm. So it's like they're 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 in 2023, they're playing the phase of their game where they're in spread formations. Like that's, but all the time. So their rush success rate has gone down because that's the nature of their offensive line. Like, like it's a good offensive line. Don't get me wrong. And it's a good, and it's definitely like better than they have any right to be due to the, due to their excellent development. When I watch Oregon's film and then I flip on Oregon state's film, I have a hard time not laughing. Like Oregon blocks with five, no problem. That's not true of Oregon State. Then on the defense, yeah. it's there. I mean, like, I spent a long time in the summer talking about it. Like, they, 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 again Smith was very complacent like in not like rebuilding the roster that was made up like in 2022 they had a good defense it was made of a bunch of like sixth year dudes who've been around forever and been playing forever and then he didn't replace any it went and as all sixth years do they off they go um so you know he should have replaced him and he didn't um and then uh you know like they they you know so like they don't really get pressure up front Um, you know, they don't really stop efficiency runs. They're absolutely terrible. You know what their third down, uh, you know, third and short rushing success rate is. So this is how well they stop third and short rushing. Guess how many. So if, if I run it's third and short a hundred times, I'm running against them a hundred times on third and short. How many times do you think they stop me? I'll
1: guess 40. Seven. Oh my God! Forty-seven. No, <laughs> seven.
0: Seven that's... times. If I run at them a hundred times on third and short, they will stop me seven times.
1: That's incredibly bad. It's incredibly bad. Bad water. <laughs> God, um, that's such a stunningly stunningly low number that it's kind of hard to believe.
0: They they, and then there, here's the other news that I can sort of break. We, we had a wonderful conversation with Jake Hedberg of Beaver Blitz. I really enjoyed our conversation. Jake was fantastic. It's the first time we, we talked to him. I'm really glad that Adam Chimeo found, uh, uh, you know, made that connection. I'm really hoping that the the series with Oregon State continues so we can talk to him again. He was fantastic, super knowledgeable, had every answer to every question that I asked at the tip of his fingers, intellectually honest, you know, um, you know, none of this like posturing. Or 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 fan silliness, like, uh, but you know, but but you know was critical of 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 decisions that jonathan stith would made when it was appropriate but also pushed back against you know my criticism when he thought it was wrong like great conversation you should listen to that podcast when it goes up um wonderful conversation um he really clued me into a lot of stuff that i don't think is common knowledge i think I'm, we're really going to be breaking a lot of news on that podcast and in my article about what the injury situation and the back end of oregon state's defense is that really explains a lot of things. They're down to really only two inside linebackers, and they can't rotate. Only two: a uh, 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 Hart and Masquerinus Arnold. And, uh, they're secondary. They're down to, you they're, they're probably down to two starters instead of three. Uh, one of the two, like two of their three starters are injured. They're probably going to try to play one. They're the third one is probably not going to be able to play and they're going to have to play a walk on, uh, in replacement of him. Um, Uh, uh, And then the cornerbacks, they lost both of the NFL cornerbacks they had last season who were really the critical thing to them having a fantastic defense. And then, like, they've tried to replace them naturally, not very successfully. And then through a series of injuries, which, again, we're going to be breaking news on this podcast um, and in my article, they will probably be playing two true freshmen against Oregon all game long because they don't have anybody else than those two true freshmen at cornerback. So Oregon State's going to go from two NFL corners that they had last year to two true freshmen who are, needless to say, low three stars.
1: Against 2023 Bo Nix. Oh, my God.
0: Bad runner, I got a cheesecake I need to take out of the oven. Yep. Yeah, I was uh, gonna
1: remind you. Uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us? No, just uh go ducks beat the beavers yeah take care of business
0: yeah the film uh for oregon state against washington was a real clown show like i I don't really think you know washington's in dire straits too obviously i'm going to be talking about them a little bit you know inshallah um uh, uh, uh next week but uh god it was like watching two like it was amateur hour man between those two teams and it happened in the rain but it never rains on this podcast